Hello everyone, this is Amy Wang. I am born, raised, and harvested in Taiwan. Just got my master's degree in engineering, but I'm also interested in history, philosophy, and metaphysics. Today I'm going to talk about Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, or in proper Mandarin, Tao Te Ching by Lao Zi. I think I'll stick to the proper pronunciation because I love it. It may take some time for you to get used to, but just as a little game, try to feel the tones in each of the words. They've been passing down from dynasty to dynasty for 3,000 years, maybe more. The tones have weight, that's what I feel. And in this episode about Dao De Jing, I'll start with a little bit background of Lao Tzu himself, and then I'll dive right into the core. What is Dao? I'll try to connect dots between Dao De Jing and Big Bang Theory and Bruce Lee because connecting dots is fun and gives us a lot of aha. Plus, they help us absorb and remember new knowledge better. As a little note, what you hear me say may not be exactly the same as what you've read on the English version of Tao Te Ching. It's not one of them is right and the other is wrong. The truth is, the book was written more than 2,000 years ago, and ancient Chinese tended to be much more malleable than their contemporary counterpart. One single character could have dozens of meanings. So one sentence could also be interpreted in a dozen ways, depending on which specific meaning you give to a specific character. As a result, both mine and your interpretation could be right, and that's perfectly fine, as long as we get to enjoy the reading and perhaps find some helpful answers to life. So first thing first, the author, who is Lao Tzu? Well, actually Lao Tzu is not his real name. The real name might be Li Er. The Lao in Lao Zi means old, because legend says that when his mother gave birth to him, she was already super old, and the baby's hair was white like an old man. It looked so Lao. I mean, it looks so old. The Zi in Lao Zi has an uh, honorific function, so Lao Zi is the honorific title of Li Er, the old-looking baby. But this all came from legends, so we still put a question mark on the author's true identity. Some scholars even argue that the real author is somebody else, or a whole group of other people, who just marketed their ideas under another bigger name, and the sales has been going pretty well for over two millennia. If this is true, then it's probably the most successful case of backdoor listing on the history of philosophy. My first encounter with Lao Tzu and Tao Te Ching was in high school history class, but it was just like um, five sentence description. Nobody had idea what Lao Tzu was talking about. Someone in the class raised his hand and asked the teacher, "What is Tao?" Ooh, what a big question! And the teacher would look like pretty evasive and say something like, "It was, um, hmm." Ah, okay. Let's move on to the next page. Apparently, she didn't have the answer either. It was complicated after all. Look, the book title has the word Tao, but the meaning of Tao is far from easy to explain. No kidding. Lao Tzu himself admitted in the very first sentence of the book, "The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao." One reason is because Tao in Chinese can mean road, path, or to guide and to speak. 
They are the Tao that can be told. And the eternal Tao is something else that is inexplicable. That said, I think he did do a brilliant job in explaining the inexplicable. He says, the Tao gives birth to one, one gives birth to two, two gives birth to three, three gives birth to all things. According to Lao Tzu, the Tao is the principles by which the universe operates. Not only that, Tao is what created the universe, from nothing to one thing, from one thing to duality, that is the yin and yang, and then from duality to trinity, from trinity to all and everything. In the course of the universe's creation, the most intriguing step is the from nothing to one thing. You might think, well, physics can do that, only God can. Here, I'd like to bring in Stephen Hawking. He argues that actually physics and math can do the job. Stephen Hawking says, we were told that you never get something from nothing, but no. After a lifetime of work, I think that, in fact, you can get the whole universe for free. How's that possible? In his book, Brief Answers to Big Questions, Hawking explains that the Big Bang produced enormous amount of energy. How did this energy come from nothing? The secret, Hawking says, is in the so-called negative energy. Imagine you were to build a hill from a flat piece of land. You dig a hole on the ground and use that soil to build up a hill. The hill and the hole balance out perfectly. And this is what happened at the first instance of the universe. When the Big Bang produced positive amount of energy, it simultaneously creates the same amount of negative energy. The positive and the negative add up to zero. Voila! Now you got the whole universe for free! But then immediately I got another question. Although Stephen Hawking and Lao Tzu seem to agree on the universe's creation, I found that Hawking is actually leaping from zero to two things, isn't it? From nothing, we got positive and negative energy. Then where's the one between zero and two? Lao Tzu says you first have the one and then you jump to two. Where's the one? Or should I say, who is the one? Is the one what we call the conscious decision maker who goes, okay, now it's time to split into two. And who's the conscious decision maker? The God, the source, Brahma? Um, I don't have the answer. But I think the bottom line is, perhaps we still need to have one consciousness involved in the process of creating the universe. Now, enough Big Bang, now we go to the other end of the scale, the tiny, invisible, fundamental particles. The Tao, Lao Tzu says, also means the tiny, invisible particles that form our physical world. He goes, all things hold young on the inside and carry in on the outside. In between feels qi, or the life force. Together, they achieve harmony. And then he also says indirectly, everything that thrives rotates. I thought, huh, could he be describing an atom? Because in the core of an atom are protons, which are young and positive. Electrons being yin and negative rotate around the core of an atom. Between is the electromagnetic force that attracts the protons, the protons sorry, 
and electrons together. Going up and big, we see this applies to the Earth and the Moon and to the entire solar system actually. The gravitational force holds the celestial bodies in harmony. What's in the center holds the yang or positive energy and the inner negative energy rotates on the outer. An invisible force holds yin and yang in harmony. Lao Tzu refers to the principles by which the universe operates, the father and the fundamental particles, the mother. The father and the mother combine to become the source of lives. Whoa, beautiful, isn't it? I remember this. Lao Tzu figured this out more than 2,000 years ago. It's true some of the ideas in Tao Te Ching came from the ancestors, according to Lao Tzu himself. However, he also got a lot of ideas, like the universe's creation, the fundamental particles through meditation. Seems to me many of the ancient saints had the same experiences, right? Prophets, monks, yogis, Buddha. So perhaps we all have some sort of internal connection to big answers, like the Akashic record. Now, if you find the Big Bang or the atomic model difficult to comprehend, no worries, don't be frustrated. The students of Lao Tzu were not physicists either. To make sure they understand, Lao Tzu makes several analogies between Tao and water. Now, water is a lot easier to comprehend, isn't it? And he goes, Water is like Tao. It is formless. Every shape it takes is affected by what is surrounding it. It never fights and always surrenders, yet it is able to support lives. On the other hand, its essence is never changed. Ice, water, and steam look so different, yet they are essentially the same molecules, H2O. And I think that's why Bruce Lee famously said, be water, my friend. Uh, a little interesting story on how Bruce Lee got this epiphany about water. He was kicked out from the martial arts school for a while because his teacher, Ip Man, had thought that he was too aggressive, um, too caught up in his strategizing mind and trying to force all the time in order to win. The teacher said, boy, you need to leave the class now and ponder over what I've said. Of course, Bruce Lee got super upset, his head filling with thoughts like, what do you mean that I'm too caught up in my mind? What does gentleness have to do with martial arts? I'm a martial artist, I try my best to win. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? And on and on. After a week, he still hadn't figured this out. So he went on a boat, sailing through Hong Kong Harbor, trying to find the answers to those questions. But in vain. He then got so frustrated to a point that he began to punch on the water furiously, like this. But the water was moving away from his fist effortlessly. He tried to grab the water, but again, it was running through his fingers effortlessly. And it was at that moment, Bruce Lee got his epiphany. Water, being so gentle and soft, suffered no pain even when he struck it so hard. At the same time, this gentle thing has the potential to overwhelm an entire city. It can be extremely powerful. Finally, he stopped punching and thought, Oh, I guess this is what the teacher means. I need to be aware of my surroundings. If I am only concerning myself, 
then I'm not able to take in the whole picture and move with my circumstances. So yeah, with that epiphany, he made it back to the school. In a book, Be Water My Friend. Oh yeah, it's now a book title, which is written by Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee. There is this amazing quote, When man is living, he is soft and pliable. When he is dead, he becomes rigid. Pliability is life. Rigidity is death. Whether we are speaking of the mind, the body, or the spirit. And then I thought of this book, The Art of War by Sun Zi. Maybe you've heard of it. For those who haven't, it's a book that has provided guidance to thousands of generals to win a war with minimized cost and harm. And it's written even earlier than Dao De Jing, so more than 200, sorry, more than 2,500 years ago. We can safely say that the art of war plays an important role throughout the entire Chinese history, even to the modern 21st century. Anyway, what I want to point out is, there are dozens of rules and principles in this book about how to win, but in the middle of the book, there's this important line, which is again, an analogy between military tactics and water. It goes like this, water shapes its course according to the nature of the ground over which it flows. The soldier works out his victory in relation to the foe whom he is facing. Therefore, just as water retains no constant shape, so in warfare there are no constant conditions. Basically, Sun Tzu is saying that, yes, you need to learn the rules and principles, but don't stick to them verbatim. Instead, be like water and change the strategies according to the circumstances. Water is so soft and surrendering, but two of the most well-known warriors in human history worshipped water. In fact, many great masters and philosophers in the history learned something from water, because water is such a good representation of Tao, the principles of the universe. Okay, now I like to refer back to the positive and negative energy I talked about. Uh, no, not me, but Stephen Hawking. Sorry for a bit of jumping here and there, but I find this passage of Tao Te Ching super fascinating and I think I can end this episode with some interesting thoughts on it. It's from chapter 11 and it goes, We shape clay into a pot, but it is the emptiness inside that holds whatever we want. We hammer wood for a house, but it is the inner space that makes it livable. We work with being but non-being is what we use. You might want to pause for a minute, think about what it means to you, and let it sink. I am fascinated by this passage because it seems Lao Tzu really got the key essence of our current dimension of living. What is the essence? He gives us some examples, a cup and a house. We buy a cup's being, the thing that perhaps looks like a column with a handle, but we only use a cup's non-being. We pour water into the emptiness its body holds and sip, not the cup itself of course, but the water where the emptiness sits before. We buy a house being, the walls, the floor, the roof, the stairs, all combined into what we call a house. But we don't leave the walls or the roof, we live in its emptiness. 
we buy a piece of instrument, say a violin, but the violin's being does not contain any music. They are not intrinsic to the strings, the bridge, or the ball. The music is created from its non-being. The being is finite. The non-being is infinite. Just as a violin's body is finite, the music it can play is infinite. Now get this: we human beings are no different from a violin. We have the finite beings called the body. We also have the infinite non-beings called the souls. Your body is the finite holder of your soul's infinite potential. Isn't that stunningly beautiful? May you all be able to have fun with and make use of your non-being's infinite possibilities. Oh, oh, one more thing, one more fun fact, actually. Sorry, but I am afraid some of the quotes and memes you found brilliant by Lao Tzu might be fake. For example, this one. If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. Amazing it may look, it's not from Lao Tzu. Some say it's actually from Warren Buffett. And fake quotes like this are many, so many that there's now a web page and a book just about fake Lao Tzu quotes. And if you go to the web page, you'll see this cute meme of Lao Tzu,、uh, in which he says, "Don't believe it just because it says so in a meme." With that, I now come to my conclusions. We've covered the "What is Tao?" question, or at least tried to answer part of it. It's the principle of how this world runs, and it is also the fundamental particles that form our world. Together, they become the source of lives. We can draw many analogies between Tao and water, and this can be very helpful even for a martial artist. We all possess a finite being, but all of its infinite possibilities is in its non-being. Finally, don't trust every meme that says it's from Lao Tzu. I'm Amy Wang. Thanks for listening. Happy reading.